welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C. Today, Terry Canefield is back, and I'm grateful because she is always a welcome voice that's calming and keeps us sane, just like with Glenn Kirshner. She pulls us back down to reality, and she's going to do that again. So before I get into talking with her, and, and just FYI, she's a lawyer, so she has a perspective that's a little bit unique you know, outside of just like a regular everyday voter who doesn't necessarily have inside information. The other thing is she works, she has something to do with elections. So does her husband. So she has inside, I I should say not inside information, but like inside insight into the way our elections are held. So one of the things that we're going to talk about is how Trump there was that article from the Atlantic that Trump was going to send in all the, the different electors to basically sway the election for him. And she's, she's got something on her website that dispels that myth as she calls it. So she explains that on the show, but you can also read it if it doesn't completely sink in when she's explaining it, because I know for me, I'm going to have to go back and read it so that if I am able to, if I want to argue with someone or debate someone on Twitter I don't. I guess those are strong words. But if I want to counter what somebody's saying on Twitter, I will fully understand it if I read it and hear it. So there's that. Just keep that in mind. But um, I want to remind everybody that I'm an Amazon associate. A lot of people have been using the link that I provide. So thank you for that. Basically, there's always going to be a link in the text description of the show. So when you shop on Amazon, use that link. I'm a participant in the Amazon Services Associate Program. And it's designed to provide a means for me to earn fees by linking Amazon and affiliated sites. So there's that. And then also, the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners. It's woman-run. I don't use corporate backers, and right now I'm not using advertisers. And as my, the more my show grows, the less chance that I'm going to be using advertisers. So keep that in mind. And the way that it works on my show is, you know, I, you, know you can go to patreon.com slash start me up. You can see some of my past guests. I just recently interviewed Mary Trump. That was so much fun. That was a really fun interview. My most popular uh, co- conversation with anybody was Noel Kasler. That was, I think, on the 16th of this month, and he gave all kinds of dirt on the Trump family. He used to work on Celebrity Apprentice because he was on that show. As I was actually talking to Terry, Bob Seska, my boyfriend, sent me the analytics or whatever it is, the, the, the numbers for my, my rating and ranking on, Am- I'm sorry, on, on P- Apple Podcasts. So for the weekend following Noel's interview, I was number 66 in political podcasts. Woohoo. Anyway, so you go to patreon.com slash start me up. Take a look at my format. Take a look at some of the past interviews that I've done and conversations I've had. If you like the show, become a patron. Now, I would recommend start at like $2 if you're not sure. If you're like, I'm not sure about this woman. So you start for 2 bucks per month. If you like the show and you want to upgrade later, upgrade. So you go and you, you could look at all the different tiers that I have. If you choose a $2 tier, you could always change that to any number you want. You don't have to stick to the tiers that I've provided. You can make it any dollar amount you want. But the deal is I do two free shows every week, Monday and Wednesday, and I do pay, two patrons only shows a month. So the first show is available to all patrons. If you sign up for $4 or less, you get all the free shows and one patrons only show. If you sign up for $5 or more, you get 
all, you get everything delivered to your email box. That's how that works. You can also uh, just make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description of this show. I always include my email address. If you just want to send a one-time payment to support the show, I'll take that. Just again, patreon.com slash start me up. You can also find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by that Apple podcast and become a subscriber because it's for it's free. And while you're there, give me a rating and then please give me a review. Just one sentence is all you need. You don't need to be really elaborate. You don't need to write a book. Thank you to everyone who's done it. Every day I get more and more people subscribing to the show and, and giving me a rating. So I just thank you. I so appreciate it. And that's going to be it. I think you're going to enjoy my conversation. We talked about the debate most of the time, but my conversation with Terry Canefield. Welcome back to the show, Terry. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> what a day it is, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. Unbelievable. I, I mean, look, I don't think any one of us expected that crazy shit show. I don't think anybody knew what we were up for. In fact, I think, oh gosh, I can't remember who, who it was. Somebody prominent in the Democratic Party tweeted out last night, like, you know, admit it, you know, you're excited for this, as if Biden was just going to take over the debate. And I t quote tweeted whoever it was and said, you know, I just hope that he facts, fact checks the lies. Uh, it was clear within five minutes of the debate what was happening. It wasn't a debate. It was Trump steamrolling and right. taking over and bullying. And so I wanted to, I want to actually get into one thing that we were just talking about on Twitter because I, and, and maybe you feel differently. So I just want to see what you have to say about this, but I feel like, and this is what I tweeted during the debate last night. I feel like Trump went in there with a specific goal and agenda. And that goal was to help deteriorate the standing of the United States on the world stage. I think that while he had legitimate knee-jerk reactions as a narcissist would I think that those I think it was all within the plan I think what he like the plan that he had whether or not he realized maybe he did maybe he didn't that you know this was going to diminish uh the the standing of our country but I think what he wanted to achieve was to look like the big and this goes to your other arguments to look like the big strong man that he was going to make Biden look weak by just pummeling him with what he, you know, I don't know, their lies, but whatever he wants to call them, but like pummeling him with all of his talking points. And A, he knows that Biden has fought a stutter. And I want to go back to the Democratic debates where we saw Biden handling himself very well. Occasionally, a word trips him up and he either has to figure out how to say that word in that moment or he finds the new word. But it's just a stuttering thing. Um, of course, it, they, they want to play into the dementia bullshit, but, you know, we all know that's just their tactic. But I think Trump figured that he could, you know, strong arm, if you will, Biden by shooting him with all these talking points and looking like a big, you know, fighter guy. Because, I mean, they always they always put all the MAGA people like to make these ridiculous memes of Trump wearing Superman outfits and everything like he's this big, strong guy. And so I think that's what he wanted to do, whether or not it was in his mind to diminish our standing. I think that he thought he could go in there and act like a big tough guy and make, you know, make Biden stutter and make Biden look weak. And my opinion of Biden was that. 
again, yeah, he was kind of thrown back. Like, oh my, nobody expected this. And that, you know, he, you know, a couple of times he was kind of knocked off kilter because we were like, what's going on? But he found his ground and, and he handled Trump as well as he could under those circumstances. So that was kind of my take. But I know you had a slightly different take on it. So I want to see what you have to say. Well, the, probably the only thing I would take issue with what you said, um, I don't think he has any desire consciously or uncon- unconsciously to diminish the United States on the world stage. But I think he is very invested in um, discrediting the upcoming election. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, okay, which actually has the same effect. Right. But I think he's pretty single mindedly um, focused on um, discrediting an election. Now, Aside from the sort of astounding, you know, fact of a of a president of the United States trying to discredit an election, it's um, it's really his only option right now. It also tells you an awful lot that that's the strategy. Mm-hmm. He knows he knows he's losing. Mm-hmm. He knows yes. he's losing. So um, it was a, definitely an unhinged performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot who it was. Um, somebody said it was his tweets come alive. Like he was. Oh you know, right, yeah. Which I think um, was sort of sort of an accurate thing. We've, in a way, somehow gotten desensitized to these tweets, mm-hmm. and there's almost this idea that maybe they're deliberate, maybe he's there's something else behind them. But then when the man walks on stage, you see um, that the tweets are the man. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, yes. I think I think he definitely had a he was intended to overpower. Mm-hmm. He intended to monopolize. He mm-hmm. intended to not allow. Um, any points to be made against him. So his idea was just to keep interrupting and get his, to to hold the stage and to own the stage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and undercut, uh, definitely undercut the upcoming election. Well, and, and you may be right as far as, as, you know, him not thinking in terms of, of diminishing us, but at the same time he is, and he He does have, he has conversations with Putin that we don't know about. And Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think Putin is giving him, um, Mm -hmm. you know, a point, you know, A, B, C, and D strategy notes, but I definitely think that he is influential. And I think that, you know, I think that the way they talk to each other is very mob-like, right? Where, you know, and, and Michael Cohen said this, that he never come, they'll never come out and say, oh, go kill that person. It's always, it's always this weird kind of vague suggestion. It would be really sad if that person wasn't around anymore. So it's like, I could see Putin saying something to him prior to the debate, like, wow, you know, wouldn't it be really, really cool to see you going after Biden in this strong and like, you know, putting it into Trump's head because Mm -hmm. Putin would know. And if it's not Putin, it could be somebody else. But Putin would understand because that's what he wants. He wants us to not trust our system. He wants to diminish everything. So I think that, you know, regardless, I don't and I will agree with you. I do not think Trump is sitting there thinking I'm going to diminish the the power of the United States, because I think that he does believe that he's like the king of the United States. Well, so. Okay, so let's talk about, okay, actually, I think in some ways we're saying the same thing. Right. Yeah, well, I, I think, think we that, are. Um, I think we are. We're saying the same thing. Let, let me come at it from a different angle. Okay. Um, so the, a goal of active measures is to undermine confidence in democratic institutions. Yes. I, I took so, that from your article and retweeted it. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. So that's a, that's a goal of active measures. So you have to keep in mind that when, when Trump wants to undermine the upcoming election, it feeds his needs. It also 
runs completely parallel with active measures. So he's yes. helping yes. active measures. Yes, yes. Now, actually, so are a lot of people without realizing it. Mm-hmm. We'll get into, you know, panic and what that does. But so, um, so as far as diminishing now, so the first, you know, way that I think we're saying the same thing, but with different words is he's, his goal is to undermine the election, which also undermines democracy, mm-hmm. which also is an, it definitely aligns with the goals of active measures. Mm-hmm. There's another thing happening, which is that um, he, and again, you read Cohen's book, right? Mm-hmm. Or, um, mm-hmm. I did a, a summary half. of it. I, I, I read about there's half. There's a belief, there's a strong belief that Trump holds and that a lot of people hold, and this is the part that's going to probably surprise people to wrap their minds around this, but that the United States would be better off aligned with Russia than aligned with Northern Europe. Mm-hmm. And that the form of government that they have in Russia is better than the form of government that they have in parts of Northern Europe. Mm-hmm. So when when the problem with saying diminish is that comes from the viewpoint that democracy is superior to autocracy, mm-hmm. but Trump admires the way autocracies mm-hmm. are run, and mm-hmm. so do a lot of people. Yes. Democracy is very, very messy. And yes. so I think we're saying the exact same thing um, in terms of like what his goals are, you know, what he walked on stage to do, and what, in fact, he did. So I think we're actually saying the same thing. Right. Yes. Well, and yeah, because I think that I think that what he did was calculated, and, and I do think that no matter what, whether he realizes it or not, he is hurting us. And so... Oh, wait, now let's... Hold on. Let's go back to calculate it. Okay. Because this is an this is an interesting... Um, I'm going to talk about the overlap between fascist tactics and a personality disorder. <laughs> so when, when I first um, started really doing all of this research and presenting my research on Twitter, I was... Um, my focus was on fascist tactics, the history of fascism, forms of government. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer, so I'm interested in politics, law, the philosophy around mm-hmm. politics and law, and government. Mm-hmm. And what you see in, in fascism and totalitarianism is you see a certain manner of governing. Mm-hmm. And because they all do the same things and they study each other, and you have somebody like Steve Bannon coaching, here's how to do it. Mm-hmm. So Steve Bannon goes down and talks to the Brazilian guy, here's how you do it, and goes over to Dr. Orban, and here's how you do it. Because they are deliberately doing these tactics, there's a temptation, which I've had and do have, to say, to talk about it as a deliberate tactic. Mm -hmm. But there's another side to this. The other side is that there's an overlap. Okay, so there's a certain kind of person that will step into this kind of role, right, and Mm -hmm. will do these tactics. You couldn't do it. You couldn't do it if your life depended on it because you just uh, you don't have that in you. No. And so I, I understand now. So at first people kept tweeting to me, why are you ignoring all the psychologists who are talking about this? And why are you saying that these are tactics when really that comes out of a personality disorder? And then I started to understand that we're all right. It's two different ways of talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not clear to me that Trump could do anything else now he was a lot more unhinged than he was in 2016 oh yeah definitely but, he, but he's in a lot different position than he was in yes. 2016 yes um first off he has his health has deteriorated mm-hmm. he's losing he's way behind mm-hmm. 
he would have been fine with losing in 2016 and it would have, right. he would have probably been better off. Yes. And so he's now in a position where when he stands taxes, to lose everything. And his taxes so, too, yeah. Right, everything, everything. Yeah. And so he's in a whole different position. And so the kinds of pressure on him. So the other place that it looked like on Twitter, which is really fun, right? Because you can say, I disagree. And it looks like we're really disagreeing. <laughs> but I think that we're... We're not really saying different things. When I push back a little bit against it as a tactic, mm -hmm. I want to say, did he have an option? Could he have walked on that stage and talked policy? I don't think he could have. No, because I don't I agree. Think he understands the policy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think he's put it together. I don't think he's thought about global warming. So what he threw out there. I think, was what's in his brain, which is a mishmash of conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. Everything he said, he either believes is true or he wants to believe it's true. And that's what we saw was all the things stuffed into his brain, yes. which was yeah. this cocktail of crooked Hillary was out to get me in a coup and there's fraud left and right and, um, and Biden can't say law and order. So there is this like mishmash <laughs> yes, right. in his head. So I I agree that he came out there and he's going to steamroll everybody. Right. He's going to show he's tough. I don't doubt that. I'm not sure what options he had. Right. Because it, it's like go big or go home. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I think you that's know. what that's kind of what I mean with the calculation. I think that uh, it's calculated and that it was discussed prior. You know, they, the, his debate prep was basically advice for him to behave the way he did. Uh, mm -hmm. Egg him on to steamroll Biden, to confuse. And again, I'm going to go with they know he's, they, they are loving this whole Joe is too mm -hmm. old and he has dementia and he's sleepy and all this stuff. So if they can fluster him and get him to, you know, to have that stutter, then they can try to point to that and say, oh, look, he's just old and feeble and right. he doesn't know what he's saying. Right. And so I think right. that was no, like the main goal. I think yeah. you're right. Like the, 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 any strategy was just don't stop it. Just yeah. go big. Right. Right. You know, rather than um, rather than, well, you know, maybe we would be better served by going out and discussing policy. I don't think it was an option. Yeah. I don't think it was an option because I, I really don't think he, he did. Yeah, he doesn't. So he doesn't know how to talk policy. He doesn't, and I think, and he hasn't learned policy, and he doesn't care about policy, and he is, you know, he's a wishful thinking kind of guy. But I agree with you. It was they, there was a clear attempt to steamroll. What was co sort of amusing is that the person he flustered was the moderator. Yeah, <laughs> yes, which was much really, more so than yeah, Biden. Yes, really, and I think you know, I mean, he did get a lot of crap for his terrible moderating skills which I will say I don't think he was a good moderator but at the same time I don't know under the circumstances he had where he, he was unable to I guess he was unable to turn off the mics uh I, I don't know who would have had an easy time with that he was you know there was that one part where he was like begging Trump to stop screaming mm -hmm. and saying you're gonna love the next question which somebody on my Twitter feed pointed out that's kind of like the abuser uh, exactly. Like, like a woman, you're going to love this, please. You're going to love this. And it's like, right. Right. It was nuts. That was, I mean, yeah. the whole thing was nuts. So you're right. What could he have done? I mean, listen, um, it's very, very difficult when something is thrown at you that you didn't expect. Yeah. And right. um, yeah. so, you know, so I think that most of us, like while I was watching, I've so trained myself to understand that there's a, there 
are a lot of people we're not going to reach. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who are going to vote for Trump no matter what. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he, he has a pretty high ceiling under the, which is something we should probably talk about. I think Some, something on my mind with that, but how there's only so much of his, um, support will, is there to, for the taking mm -hmm. on the other hand, the polls are showing Biden way, way ahead. Mm -hmm. And so all you need is to peel off one or two percent right now. Right. And you've got a bloodbath. So it's um, so if we lower our expectations with with what's going to happen um, on, when you come into when you come into a debate behind, you need to win that debate. Mm -hmm. And he, he there's nobody who could say that he <laughs> will increase his support. After that debate, um, maybe Nikki Haley will say it. Go ahead. <laughs> maybe Nikki Haley I mean, he, would say it. <laughs> right, but she, <laughs> she's just yeah, an idiot. With her. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, it's, it's kind of crazy to think that he did. Um, yeah. I think um, Heather Cox Richardson tweeted out, "Every every woman's dealt with this guy." Right. Like, yes. You know, it's like we're not. You know, why would you? Why would you give him four more years? I mean, mm -hmm. it was just like not making any sense. So my my expectation is that the complete crazy cakes performance um, did not help Trump mm -hmm. and could not have expanded his support. No. And in, and the only thing I think that he could have managed to do was scare people with the voting. But I loved what Biden did when he looked at the audience mm -hmm. and he said, vote, yes. vote, your vote will count. He will yeah. leave. He, he did that so clearly and so deliberately. Yes that that will stick uh -huh. more than that completely unhinged monologue <laughs> that he threw out there after. Right. Um, so if his, if one of his goals was to, was to throw the election into question, I don't believe he did that. No, I don't either. You know, what's funny is, you, and, and we'll, we will get to this too. Uh, the, the whole idea of panicking. Occasionally I freak out and, you know, like we all do, because this is, we're, we're living in un, unusual times <laughs> and those unusual times sometimes are terrifying and scary and you know you we can't help sometimes but give in to it but at the same time I at least with my experience I might give in to it and then I kind of get out of that freak out and and then I come back to reality and I realize okay there's only so much that I can control and so I and instead of completely panicking I'm just gonna try to fight so, so it's kind of that thing where you get afraid, but then you get angry. So, or, or you get, you get determined. I think mm -hmm. that, I think watching this last night, you know, I mean, and, and I'm going to go back to the, and I like to call, call it the RNC shit show because they didn't really have a, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember what it's even called right now. My brain is going, I'm thinking 35 things at once convention. So it's like, it wasn't a convention. The convention was over when he accepted the nomination, which was like early on Monday or whatever. So then they just had this weird show. And I remember each night, which I watched all of it. I figured like the first night was kind of funny because we saw Kimberly Guilfoyle screaming and then all the funny memes. And so, okay, it was kind of funny because we could point and make fun of them. But then each night it got increasingly more difficult for me to maintain a level of either like hope or I, I, I was just getting beaten down watching it. Mm -hmm. And by the mm -hmm. last night when Trump, I mean, if like it was it was killing me when P Pence was speaking. And of course, they're sitting all outside and, and nobody's wearing masks. There's no social distancing. Mike Pence's 87 year old mother is sitting out there. 
And I'm just like, oh my God. And so then finally we're at the last night and Trump is just going off and he just won't shut up. And it, it, it was like I was shut down. I just completely shut mm-hmm. down. And I felt as if I had just been mentally abused. So the mm-hmm. difference though is I, I did not feel that last night. In fact, it's not that I felt all excited or anything, but it, he did not per, he did not have an effect on me that made me freak out. I recognized what was happening. I recognized that, you know, we are in embarrassment right now, this country. But I think that another, other countries, I mean, they're looking at his voters and saying, what's up with you guys? But I think they look at Joe Biden and, you know, whether it's Germany or Japan or whoever is looking at us and saying, okay, well, Joe Biden is a normal American politician. That's what we, that's what we know and understand from America. And then there's this crazy man. So as much as he's damaging us on the world stage and as much as he's damaging our country internally, I, I did not feel fear when I watched it last night. I just, I kind of thought, I didn't feel excited in that, oh, he's screwing this up for himself. And he, because a couple of people say he lost the debate and everything. It wasn't even a debate, but. Um, I, he showed I, who he was. Yeah. And he did, it, yeah. It was very, it was very unfiltered. Yeah. And I think like the instant CNN poll came out with Joe Biden won 60%, uh, Trump won 28%. So. Right. Yeah. I you think had, that. The people right. who want him to win had to be going, oh shit. Exactly. They had to. Yeah. Well, right. it they was just like when it was like when Obama uh, did that. I think it was the first uh, debate with Romney in 2012, and he was just so low energy, and he was just so. It was like everybody was like, "What the fuck?" You know, like wake up right. and right. and fight this guy. And he did. And then he right. did. And then, and then he, he did. saw his performance, right. and he came back, and he was like, "Okay, I'm I've got it now." And he was. He was great the second time. Uh, but that makes me wonder what's going to come up next. Like, how do you, well, like, what do you anticipate? Well, next is a town hall. <laughs> next is a town hall. Okay, so I don't, I don't think that Trump can, um, actually, uh, we're going way off topic. I have a very strong memory of the town hall when Bill Clinton blew it away. And mm-hmm. most of the year, it looked like the first George Bush was going to win re-election. Yeah. And and Clinton owned that town hall. Yeah. Because he and that was where all of a sudden it was a shock because you got to see the candidates in a whole different way. And Clinton looked into people's eyes, he listened, he was empathetic. He was like and and the right wing that saw how effective that was, that's mm-hmm. when they started the whole like slick willy and he's just so slick, yeah, trying right. to undercut how good he was. Yeah. And in contrast, Bush looked aloof mm-hmm. and he looked a little distant and he looked a little impatient with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so just, it, you know, I don't want to have high expectations yeah. because you don't know what's yeah. going to happen, <laughs> but I can tell you that interrupting people and steamrolling them really isn't going to work when a, a member of the audience has asked Biden a question. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, we should get back to your, cause what you, all of those other things you said were just so interesting. Um, you were talking about how this time you didn't feel yeah. the fear. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't afraid. And, and that's a, actually for me, that's a big deal because I am, I am a person who reacts deeply 
with my emotion. I, I am a very deep person. And so if I'm afraid, I'm really afraid. If I'm sad, I'm really sad. And, and so as I was watching it, I just, I was disgusted. And I was, you know, I was concerned about Biden because, you know, we, as it was progressing, it's like, I mean, you could figure it out. You could figure out how he was going to handle it. But initially it was like, how's he going to deal with this? And I it, thought he got better too. I thought he did. at first he, he was not, he was missing some opportunities, but yes, he I definitely agree. pulled out a few moments. But all, all he had to do was be sane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All he needed was like 30 seconds without interruption to show yes. that he was sane, yes. um, which is a pretty low bar. But he did that. <laughs> I mean, he, he had some really good moments where yeah. it's like, okay, the guy is normal. Right. Well, He's he did, I think. But, you know, there, there's an argument to be made for how do you deal you know, with this, this barrage of there's interruptions, there's lies, there's chaos going on. And you, you know, you're up there and the whole freaking world is watching and you're trying to maintain. And it's it, like, Hey, it, I constantly forget. I, I couldn't even think of the word convention a moment ago. And, you know, it's like, I constantly forget if I've got, you know, a two tier question that I have to answer the second one. I'm like, what was the second part of that again? And so, you know, and that's when I'm in, relaxed circumstances. So to, you know, and granted Joe Biden has been in the public eye for a very long time and he's been on the debate stage more than once. So, you know, I'm sure he has a certain comfort level, but you know, when nobody, like you were saying, like, how could you, I think what I expected from this debate was something similar to what we saw with Hillary. I mean, I've, you know, he, he was terrible in all those debates. And of course he stalked her, which he was not going to do to Biden, but I figured he would basically have the same tone. And then, <clears throat> and then as soon as it started, you know, I mean, he, he started in with the yelling immediately and the interrupting and the faces and the bravado. And he just, he, he looked like such an asshole. And it was clear to me that that was going to be his strategy. And I just thought, you know, as, as awful as this is for our country, as embarrassing as this is for our politics and all of it, it's not going to it's not going to hurt us in any way. And, you know, I mean, there's an argument that, oh, Biden should talk about po- policy. Well, how could he have talked about policy right. in, in any of this? He couldn't talk about anything. No. He couldn't get a word in. And the right. thing that well, really the, the, the well, things that that usually work for Trump mm-hmm. weren't working last night. Right. So no, they were. So some things usually work for him, like the like, um, you know, take an example. A liar has an advantage. Because it's easier to lie than it is to fact check. Mm-hmm. So um, and so, a lot of times, I I think his lies are carefully chosen. Mm-hmm. And you know, we'll take an example of a recent um, sort of, you know, a chaotic week that Trump created and how he how he was able to use his what what we could see was insanity up on the stage to <laughs> his benefit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he comes up with a lie. And the lie is, I can steal the election, and then he explains how. Yeah. And the way he's going to do it is with his theory about the electors, and they throw in that the Constitution allows it. Now, here's what that does. What that does – okay, so first off, a liar can always throw out a whole lot of lies, and then fact-checking them takes a lot of time. So all you have to do is send out some lies, and you keep everybody busy. Right. Okay, so that's the first thing that's very, very irritating. So in this particular lie, um, it from a legal point of view, it it made no sense. It was completely insane. Mm-hmm. It would not work. It could not work. It will not work. And so 
I I woke up the morning that morning and I had I look I'm in California so the you guys are all awake and panicking before I even know what's going on. <laughs> so I woke up to my mansions flooded with Terry 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 look at this you got to respond to this oh my god oh my god oh my god. So I roll I open it up and I see the this theory has been floated already about the electors. Mm-hmm. So it's like no this it, it cannot work this is a big lie. It's a particular kind of lie. It's not just any lie. I'll come back and talk about the kind of lie. It's a particular lie, but this lie can't work. Mm -hmm. So it literally takes me two days to explain to people why it won't work because they push back and they say, oh, yeah, right? Just because it's illegal, you think that's going to stop them? (sighs) Okay, so it's not just illegal. It just can't work. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it takes me two days to get people to understand why it won't work. Okay, so meanwhile – it's not just any lie. It's not just I can shoot myself to the moon, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lie that sounds plausible mm-hmm. and creates panic. Yes. So it's but now look. Okay, so if you look at when this lie came out, tr- the morning this lie came out, polls showed Trump ten points behind. <laughs> So now Trump knows that because internal polls are, are more reliable than mm-hmm. the public polls. Yes. So they know what's going on. And mm-hmm. um, I've done some internal polling for campaigns. Just, you can just believe that they know. They so know wait, better. I want I want I want to ask you this. I saw someone tweet that there are free polls and paid for polls, which would be the internal polls, and that the paid for polls show a much uh, worse scenario for Trump. Would you yes. agree? Okay. Okay. Yes. That's always the case because okay. because the, the campaigns need to have very accurate polling mm-hmm. and not just on how people – they need to know exactly how people feel on everything so that they can frame their messages. Mm-hmm. So they have – they pay a lot more for them. It's not done by a university or a public rel- – mm-hmm. they, they pay for them and they're very accurate and they're internal. Okay. And they will always be more accurate because – they, um, you know, it's like if you can afford a Cadillac, I guess it's the wrong analogy now, right? Cadillacs, I just dated myself, but you get the idea. Okay. So, so yes. So, the, so, so when, um, you know, so when, um, the polls showed him 10 points behind now, Trump, as you saw on the stage, Trump cannot stand to be viewed as weak. Right. If he, if he is viewed as weak, the entire facade, the entire myth, the entire lie upon which the whole presidency is based mm-hmm. crumbles. Mm-hmm. He cannot be seen as as um, weak. So he comes out with a lie that he has a way to bend the results of the election mm-hmm. to his will. Mm-hmm. Everybody panics because it's a very cleverly done lie. And there was a quote legal advisor who gave this to the Atlantic Monthly. They've formulated this lie and I know where they got it because this theory had been circulating earlier hmm. and I debunked the theory once I have a FAQs on my you know I get the same panic questions all the time so I have a <laughs> FAQ on my blog so I'd already dealt with this one so yeah. they knew it was out there so they basically revived it mm-hmm. so notice he's down 10 points in the poll he's weak he comes up with a lie the thing about a lie like this is you can't just show a screenshot and prove it's wrong right 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 it's a very intricate it's a it's easy to throw it out but it was not easy for me to explain why mm-hmm. okay so in the meantime everybody literally 
has a panic meltdown that Trump is going to steal the election. Now, he has instantly transformed himself Mm -hmm. from somebody losing and weak to somebody who is capable of stealing an election. Mm -hmm. So he has by the by this throwing out this lie. Look what he did. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. I mean, he first off, he owned the I believe that he laughed about it. I believe he laughed at how effective this was because right. nobody was talking about anything else. Right. And instead of appearing weak, he appeared strong. Yes. So these kinds of tactics are really effective, but they weren't working for him last night because the 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 lie I just talked about was effective because of the way it was planted. Yes. Right. They, they called up a, a quote legal advisor, calls up the Atlantic, terrifies this poor reporter because – the reporter didn't go to five legal experts and say, show me why this is wrong, right? right. The, the reporter, why should he? Like, you have to dig pretty deep into this to find out why it can't happen. It sounds plausible. Scared the reporter to death. So the reporter frames this in a very scary way, which I have a lot of respect for all investigative reporters. Um, so I'm not – I don't mean to – put any blame, but mm-hmm. th- this is what the campaign did. The campaign was able to completely manipulate all of us. Yeah. So um, one, of, one of my followers did a nice framing, like, we have to know how the puppet show works or we're going to finish up as the puppets. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. So when Trump wants to um, – when Trump wants to – strongman everybody and lie and pull us all in and panic us, then what he's doing is creating a reality, his own reality, which is I'm the strong man and everybody's scared of me. And then we all play our part. Now, another thing that very well-meaning liberals are doing is helping him out. And they're helping him out by there's a there is a um, panic, almost a panic porn or an outrage porn mm-hmm. where um, they're fanning this and fanning this. Or how about Putin can easily hack in and turn mm-hmm. millions of votes? And, and I, at this point, I just mute this mm-hmm. because um, I have it on my on my FAQs that this idea that our election is so vulnerable that Putin can easily come in and flip 30 million votes and nobody's going to know. Mm-hmm. Who benefits from that exactly yeah no you're absolutely i think you're absolutely who right and i think i think benefits. i'd like to, uh, yeah Putin he does <laughs> i'd like to because add now though he's a strong man he's a strong right man. it's like no actually it's really not that easy and my you know my husband is in charge of a polling place here in california he's a precinct they call him a precinct uh his title is inspector uh-huh. which is what his title is but he's in charge so he counts the votes with according to he and his staff count the votes they count them right. and, and the counting is is monitored and people watch it. He writes down the number of votes from his precinct. He keeps a copy and he turns in a copy. Hmm. He has a copy. Mm-hmm. He can always compare his results to the right. results right, 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 out right. of the precinct. Well, so yeah. it would be really hard to get in there and split votes and nobody know. But when people – and people – panic and they spread panic and actually the one other thing i'll say before i stop this like very long monologue i apologize Um, but but part of russia part of active measures is a desire to be overestimated Mm -hmm. so when when we all spread the word that oh it's so easy to flip votes Mm -hmm. then we are helping okay we're we're overestimating the power mm-hmm. of people who really don't have that power. And I, I'm on the voter protection um, 
committee in Georgia. And the bigger fear, you don't hear Stacey Abrams talking that way. You don't hear Stacey Abrams saying, oh, my God, we have to worry about machines. Yeah. Because Stacey Abrams knows that the people out in these rural areas who have been told for two or three generations that their votes don't count, the last thing you want to do is tell them their votes won't count. So we all jump on and we all – and I understand the panic because it is scary. It is scary. So we all panic and we all help feed this – this strongman myth. And I think you're right that last, last night it didn't work Mm -hmm. because it didn't look like strongman. It looked like bullying. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm taking notes here if I sound a little quiet because I don't want to forget, um, I don't want to forget to ask you about this. So first I want to say, number one, if they were ahead, they wouldn't have to do any of this. So well, if, if they were ahead, they'd be talking about the polls. Yes, exactly. So if, you know, that's one thing to consider. And I thought this the other day, and I don't even remember, you know, in the fire hose of news, whatever it was that made me feel like, wow, if they were really winning, they would not take this approach. And right. so that's, that's one thing. Also, right. um, I think that, I think that, you know, going back to your panicking and, you know, I, I do see people online a lot just going to this well that's it our country's over no more democracy we're toast we're toast we're toast we're toast uh that drives me fucking nuts and sorry i'm cussing but i can't help it but it drives me nuts because i feel like first of all uh we need to change our expectations if we have expectations of failure, we are more likely to fail because that's the energy we're putting into it. If we put energy into expecting to win, then it's not just that our thoughts are going to create winning, but it's, it's a public perception. When we have the public perception, when everybody is in, the, uh, in agreement that something's going to go a certain way, it doesn't mean it's absolute, but it's more likely because we're going to make it so, and we do have that one piece of power with our vote so we, right. you know i mean I'm, I'm and not- also you contribute to the myth that so if, if people keep saying that then people are less likely to believe the results if biden wins yeah exactly exactly so we, it's like what we need to do is set ourselves up with expectations of victory and and then you know read your blog so that we understand and this i want you to be clear here because um i'm i'm not going to be able to explain it well but you could explain it as far as what Trump said he was going to do with sending in those electors, exactly how would that work? Okay, let me see if I can do it in a minute. I've explained it so thoroughly. Let me see if I can. Okay, so the Constitution allows the states to decide how the electors are going to be um, allocated. Mm -hmm. Every state has passed legislation that says that the voters will decide You cannot – okay, there are a few things going on. Number one, you cannot change the rules for how an election will be decided after the election. Yeah, right. (laughs) Okay, so that's to begin with. There's actually federal legislation. that You obviously can't do that. You have to count – you have to conduct the election according to the way you say you're going to conduct the election before the election. Mm -hmm. So the very idea that you can set up your rules and it's now – codified its law Mm -hmm. in your state you hold the election you didn't get the results you want so you go back and retroactively change the rules for how the election is going to be monitored is just nonsense okay so 
Um, that's the first part. The second part is let's just say, let's just say that you could. All right. So you understand that now we're in the realm of don't be ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, a child knows you start playing Monopoly, you play according to the rules. You don't change the rules and say, actually, a $500 bill is only a $100 bill after you're losing. You just don't. So let's say you could change the rules after the game is underway or finished. Well, the way you change the rules is the state legislature, the state legislature changes the rules, right? Mm -hmm. uh, all states allow the governor to override this kind of legislation. So any states with a Democratic governor, even if it could happen, they would override the legislation. So first, it can't happen. Mm -hmm. If it could happen, <laughs> the governor is going to override it. Mm -hmm. And they don't have a, a veto-proof um, they don't have a veto-proof majority. So we've got how many levels now that can't happen? But there's another level that it can't happen, which is what you start with. Mm -hmm. They'd have to want to. They'd have to want to. So I don't doubt that there are, exist, you can find some legislators in Pennsylvania who would love to do this. They've got their own Matt Greats or yeah. Devin Nunes. They've got their own cuckoos. But the fact that a few might want to does not say that a majority would want to because they would have to overrule the, their voters and keep Trump in power when Trump is a totally unhinged nut. So, And also the, <laughs> the, the Senate, the United States Senate, which kowtows to Trump, is different from state government. Mm -hmm. Because states have a lot of autonomy and they have their own their their own jurisdiction. They're their own thing. That's why we have actually many jurisdictions. We have the federal jurisdiction in each state. So the governor of each state is like a mini president in his state. Yeah. And the legislature is like a mini legislature mm -hmm. in their state. So so the idea that even say Texas, you'll have some cuckoos, but the virus is completely devastating that state. Mm -hmm. Um, so somebody like Stuart Stevens, who wrote the book, It Was All a Lie, he's an insider, mm -hmm. or the former many, many decades um, insider. He says most Republican elected officials know that Trump is unhinged yes. and not, shouldn't be in office. Right. So, the, so even before you begin this improbable um, – before you begin this improbable series of what would have to happen mm -hmm. to change how the electors are done, you'd have to have them want to. And right. not get vetoed, and not ha and not face a total uproar in their in their state. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if ten, if by eight points, Biden wins Pennsylvania, and then Pennsylvania decides to overturn that? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the th that's the other thing. It's like you were just saying, and I mean, we've heard this from so many other people that privately Republicans can't stand them. I mean, look at Ted Cruz. How could Ted Cruz like Trump? He he insulted uh, Heidi Cruz. Her, her looks. He, he suggested that Ted Cruz's father killed JFK. JFK. So, right. Now you know, he likes what Trump stands for, right. and he doesn't want to offend the base, but you'd have to have, you might even have a couple of Ted Cruz's, but you'd have to have most, you'd have to have a majority of the legislature wanting to keep Trump in power, right. even if you could. And actually there's one other component to this whole thing, which is the, the source of the story to the Atlantic was, quote, a campaign legal advisor. Yes, right. So why would a legal advisor, advisor. Yeah. tell the Atlantic yes, yes. that, yes, the, the, the states will all do this if mm -hmm. Trump says they will? 
so you can see that you've got this first off this legal improbability, impossibility, mm-hmm. a political impossibility. Mm-hmm. But then what you have are people online who have been so panicked and so outraged who also don't really understand how how the how the government works, mm-hmm. how legal systems work. Right. So I'll get arguments thrown at me like this one. Well, he ignores subpoenas. What makes you think that the state legislatures aren't going to just completely overturn the law and the Supreme Court's not going to allow it? Okay, so me, this is like arguing that I got away with speeding, therefore I can certainly rob 10 banks. Right. There's a big difference between I'm not going to show you my taxes and I'm not going to talk and you can't make me and fixing an American election mm-hmm. in this manner. And the, sort of the final piece of this is right now it's looking like many states are going to put, are going to put um, Biden over the edge. Mm-hmm. Yes. So right now, a lot of them are just barely blue, mm-hmm. you know, like now, OK, Ohio or whatever is just barely blue. Mm-hmm. But I think you're going to have five states. So what are you going to do? Have five states follow this completely mm-hmm. impossible scenario? And then the Supreme Court's going to say, oh, yeah, let's just like give the election to the loser because of what? <laughs> um, because he appointed us. I mean, OK, so anyway, the. Well, they that have nothing to fear. Well, you they, saw they, how long that took me. Did well, you see how long yes, that took me? Yes, and like, I totally what a get it. Lie that was. But they, they, the one thing that these Republicans, if if Trump loses and it's obvious and he he wants to fight it, all these all these people who don't like him, even though they're going to, you know, feel that they've lost some power because he lost power. It's like they're finally rid of the abuser. It's like they're finally rid of the person. You know, I mean, I, they a lot of these, you know, I mean, a lot of these Republicans are living in fear that Trump is going to single them out and they're going to hurt him. And so they're, they're going to you know, that Trump is going to hurt them in some way. And so at least with him gone, they I, I would imagine some of them would just feel completely relieved and not want right. to fight. In the state, especially in state government. Yes. Yes, especially yes, yes. where the where Republicans are doing well, fairly in the state. Yeah. Um, by the way, I, I live in um, a, a small town in the central California coast. Uh-huh. So I live in like a little spot of blue and a sea of pink. Mm-hmm. And um, nobody will call themselves a Republican right now. Interesting. <laughs> so so this actually this one person's running. I won't say the office and I won't say the name, but I look this person up and I said, this person is a Republican and they're insisting that they're not a member of a party. <laughs> That's kind so, of funny. <laughs> right. Because, right. I mean, it is so they want, you know, they don't want to bring their local politics down. Right. So, um, and so in, in terms of that, I mean, there's a part of the Republican party that, I mean, there's another thing you have to understand about why the Republican party is backing Trump enough to mm-hmm. panic people, yes. which is, um, and I was actually explaining this to my husband last night with um, what's going to happen and why they're so desperate and why Trump, why they're allowing Trump to be this bulldozer. So ordinarily, the way democracy works is you have a couple of parties or two parties. And if you lose this election, well, the good thing about democracy is four years later, there's another election. Mm-hmm. So you might lose this one. You might win the next one. You run somebody better than Trump. But they know something. This is what they know. They know that they are a minority Mm -hmm. and they're holding power Mm -hmm. in ways that as soon as they lose power, the the Democrats are going to fix it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the gerrymandering. Um, So the Supreme Court, it's hard to tell with Roberts. Roberts will not get involved in voter 
rights cases. Yeah. So it's hard to tell, but what they say, what 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 they say is that that's up to the legislature, which is true. Mm-hmm. So the Constitution allows the United States Congress to regulate elections. Mm-hmm. So the courts could do it if they wanted to by hanging their ruling on we've got a 14th Amendment that guarantees due process and equal protection. Mm-hmm. So the so the court could do it if they wanted to. But what they're saying is we don't want to. That's up to the legislature. So as soon as Democrats come into power, if they get the Senate, then they're going to regulate elections. They're going to get rid of the gerrymandering. There you go. Mm-hmm. How many seats are now lost? Mm-hmm. They're going to take in. And I, I feel like I'm telling the secrets until the mm-hmm. Supreme Court fiasco. Nobody was really saying this aloud, mm-hmm. but it was there. They're going to take in D.C. and Puerto Rico as states. Mm-hmm. They're going to um, and they're going to fix the Supreme Court. There are things that Congress can do with the Supreme Court, but you need the Senate. Which is so, adding, adding new judges. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, right. And there's a way to do that. It's mm-hmm. kind of a, to get into that. But um, but there's a way to do it and mm-hmm. it should be done. Mm-hmm. So um, and actually pushing through this judge makes it easier. So interesting. So, really? Long, okay. is, yeah, I could talk about that, too. But as long as this as long as we get the Senate, that's mm-hmm. what really is um, nerve wracking right now. But at any yeah. rate, so so what they understand is that. And actually, this is also what the Lincoln Project says they're about. So what these Republicans understand is that they've got a way to hold on to minority power without a majority. Hmm. And that when they lose the election, there's not another chance. Because they're not going to be able to they're, – they're not going to have the, the advantages that they have now. So, um, so, so, so what you're saying is they're like going to be a permanent minority. A party. They're going to be a okay. So what happened in California is the same thing. So as goes California. So in ca- <laughs> people don't people don't know that California. They don't remember that California was ruby red. Uh-huh. We gave the world Nixon and Reagan. Yes. So California was always very very Republican. California is an interesting state because California always had minority communities all the way back. Mm -hmm. So California was initially part of Mexico. So we have a Spanish speaking part of our population that was here before anybody else. The Chinese built the railroads. So the Chinese settled San Francisco. And if you go to Chinatown, they still speak Chinese because Mm -hmm. they've, they have their, so we have a community and we also have the native American communities Mm -hmm. because there was nowhere, no further West to push them. Right. So so California has these minority communities, but until about the late 80s, mostly whites voted. The, the, the minority mm-hmm. communities were pretty silent. Mm-hmm. And some of that was language-based. So the, the, there was voter suppression in the terms of you can't vote if you don't vote in English, hmm. So, um, which was totally unfair to people who yes. were here first, right? right. Okay, so, so what happened in the late 80s? is that the minority community started to grow and the white majority panicked. (laughs) So we had a guy named Pete Wilson Mm -hmm. who was like Trump. And in fact, when I first saw Trump's ads in 2016, I was like, oh my God, like he's just like recycling um, Pete Wilson's ads. Because Pete Wilson's ads were, oh my God, California's being overrun by these scary people coming over the border. (laughs) So we got Pete Wilson. Um, There was a complete backlash 
in the 90s, the minority communities organized, mm -hmm. the liberals organized. That's when the voter protection here got going. Hmm. And over about a decade, we ended up going blue. But we had an issue in the early 2000s, which is the, the because of so many minority communities now voting, the Democrats were a majority. But we had this rule in the legislature, this two-thirds rule. Um, which you couldn't get anything done without two thirds, which meant that a minority, a little more right, than a third, could yeah. hold everybody hostage. Mm -hmm. And Hello. so we had this, and I had paychecks held up for months because wow. of this. So, because I was paid, I, my legal practice, I represented only indigents, mm -hmm. people who couldn't afford to pay on appeal. Mm -hmm. So I had a kind of brutal practice, but I was paid through the general budget of California. And the Republicans would say, nobody's getting paid until we get our way. So I didn't get wow. a paycheck for months. So it was a disaster right. because what we had in California was minority trying to hold on to power. So we've been there. We've been there. And then what happened at that point? There was three options. One is elect so many Democrats that you have a supermajority. Mm -hmm. Number two, get rid of the two-thirds rule, which was kind of hard without two-thirds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the other one was um, – let the Republicans have their way because they're bullying us mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, we, and we want our paychecks. So what ended up happening was the hard way. We ended up electing enough Democrats to have a supermajority, and it was not easy. So, so the one way of viewing national politics is that we're in this we're, – we're right now in the part of the plot where the minority is trying desperately to hold on to power. Wow, yeah. Definitely. Uh, okay. So anyway, that was a long explanation. No, but, but it's, it's interesting. But that's why it, – so it's not just – so it's a little more complicated than yeah. – yeah, they know, they know Trump is an idiot and they don't want to be under his thumb. Yeah. But on the other hand, the option is to completely lose on a national – in national politics to suddenly become a minority party. Now what the Lincoln Project wants to do, they say – I was suspicious of them. Mm -hmm. Still little sometimes, but what they say <laughs> they want to do, they're not going to stop until everybody can vote right. so that the conservatives have to win people over by their ideas. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm definitely I feel the way you feel about Lincoln Project, where, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for what they're doing and I don't completely trust them uh, just because they helped get us into where we are now. But... But I also feel like, for instance, you take a look at somebody like Rick Wilson and the way he can go after if he chooses to go after Republicans after we win, then then fine, because he's a fighter. And, and if they're really go if they're if they're not trying to take us back. To exactly. Yes. Yes. If, they're, if, they're, if, if what they're yeah. trying to do is move us to a place where so the. Now, the conservatives always have a problem with putting together a majority. Yeah. <laughs> they always do. In every, in every country, they do. Yeah. That's why in a, in a two-party system, they're going to have a problem. Now, it's possible to, for the conservatives to put together a coalition, a majority coalition. But yeah. the only way to do that is to tap into minority communities. And the reason is that there are a lot of minority communities that are actually, let's say – conservative, not in the sense that we talk about in America right now, not in the mm -hmm. sense of white supremacist, but in like the old fashioned way yeah. of saying conservative. Right. So some African-American communities in the South, they are a form of evangelical. They're, they're Baptist. Yeah, they're right. very, and, and they are conservative, but they are Democrat. 
And there are some Asian, some um, Asian populations, some Indian populations that on their, that they can't be, they are not Republican. They can't be Republican Mm -hmm. because the Republican is now a white nationalist party. Mm -hmm. But if you had a true conservative Conservative, party, you could possibly put together a coalition, but not until you get rid not, you have to completely destroy what's now the Republican Party yeah. so that you can rebuild it. As, yes, 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 yes. And that's what they say they want to do. Well, I, I'm, I was under the impression that basically they want to join the Democratic Party and they would be more like the more center part of our party. And somebody like would somebody like me, I, I mean, I'm not like in the fringes of the left, but I mean, I'm pretty I, I feel very progressive with the understanding that I'm not always going to get my way because we have to compromise. So, um, you know, I'm all for Medicare for all. I'm all for higher minimum wage. I'm all for the Green New Deal. I'm all I'm for all of it. But I'm also, mm-hmm. you know, I know that the only way we're going to get anything done in this huge country with so many diverse opinions is incrementally. And, you know, I, I, I think that it's possible and doable. We just the thing is, is Republicans keep pulling us backwards. And mm-hmm. and so and and you know I mean I do think that Democrats need to fight better and that's why I wouldn't have a problem if Rick Wilson wants to fight for the Democrats even as a centrist democrat if he's going to go after the right-wing extremists I don't usually like I don't like him. I think you know I mean he went after back in, well he was the I think he was the one who brought us all the Reverend Wright ads when Obama was president. Mm-hmm. I think he and I know and I I never get the name right but there was a guy running and it was like in the 80s or 90s and he was there was two republicans running against each other so rick worked for one of them and 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 what went up against this guy's contender who was a vietnam vet who had lost both his legs and an arm and the rick wilson ad just ripped this poor veteran apart and i guess that was the wrong way to describe it but i mean he, he really went after right. this veteran who you know lost his limbs for this country so he's dirty you know he fights dirty mm-hmm. and and i don't really like that and and i think that democrats have to be careful not to become republicans but at the same time mm-hmm. i think sometimes we have to you know strongly worded letters aren't enough and and right now i will say democrats are very limited. We have a sliver of power where, you know, the, the, the Republican party has everything, you know, with the exception of the house, including the DOJ, which they shouldn't have, but they do Mm -hmm. at least with Barr. So there's only so much Nancy Pelosi can do. Everybody keeps screaming at Nancy Pelosi. Like she's, she's got to fix this. Or or, it's like, what, what the hell can she do? You know, I mean, that's actually, that's actually authoritarian. Because yeah. that's say it's it's actually thirteen because it's not respecting the limits on each office. Yes, exactly. And it's not um, so. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I we'll have to see how things shake out. Um, but you know, as I mentioned often on social media, my you know my husband experienced the Pinochet dictatorship. Mm-hmm. So he was um, so I know a little more about autocracy but not a lot because I wasn't in it right but I do I do know but I their family stories and um people have that kind of in some ways the opposite idea of what an autocracy is like um when they say we're already in one they have the opposite no idea. yeah we're not a, <laughs> we're not I mean it's the opposite it's like in an autocracy like elections don't matter and you better be right exactly what you say. and here we can say anything we want they're not going to frog march us out of our houses yet um, but we can say anything we want mm-hmm. and elections do matter. Um, so I, I think that it's all a matter of sort of semantics. What do you mean by fight dirty? I mean, I will never, they, they don't have to fight dirty in the sense of 
lies and well that's what Trump i mean gives them all that's the what i mean I th- yeah i i mean that like there's a way to uh, maybe shame or humiliate that sometimes Democrats won't do because it's like above them or, you know, the way that Rick Wilson can go in for the, like the, some of these ads on Lincoln project. I mean, they make me laugh because there's like, there's a woman talking and she'll talk like this, you know, like Mitch McConnell robs it, you know, and it's like they, they have this way of, because I don't think Republicans can be shamed but they don't like being mocked. And I think Rick can go in that mocking, you know, that mocking shame, point your finger, look at that loser. And that's exactly how they do it. So he can fight them on their right. level where, I mean, I don't mean dirty like cheating. I don't think we should cheat. I I, I don't, like or I said, I, right, right, we, right. we should and never. Also, actually, yeah. another, right. Another thing about that is they also know how to talk at Republicans. That's it. That's it. They know their their vulnerable points. Like, for instance, right. last I mean, night... Not gonna, I mean, if they started making those kinds of ads against Biden, it wouldn't persuade me. No. Right. No, 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 they, no, 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 no. But... Um, Right. So but I, it does. But it does persuade. It, it does persuade some people. Um, oh, I was I was going to say something and I forgot. But I, I I think that overall, if they want to come into our party, I I really don't care as long as they're not pushing to go back to, you know, right. the the way that it used to right, be. And hold on, and not go into the party because I think there's a difference between voting for a party and going into the party. Well, so but I think, I, but I think a, that's yet to be seen. There's a difference between voting. They're not okay. So let's draw a line at the center, and we're going to have right and left. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have off center right and off center left, mm-hmm. and then you have far left, far right. I, I have the idea that it, that's not the correct way to draw the graph, <laughs> um, but we'll stick with the traditional way to do it. Psychologically, somebody on the left, just left of center, is really different from somebody just right of center. Mm-hmm. So. I can be so somebody there's just a fundamental difference mm-hmm. in comfort with change. So really you're not going to form a party of left of center and right of center. What you'll have is you'll have the right of center people voting left of center because they have no choice mm-hmm, right now. Mm-hmm. But they're not I'm I like Jennifer let's take an example. I like Jennifer Rubin. So I read her because she, you know, she hates Trump. I never thought I would be on the same side as Jennifer Rubin, but we might be able to join together against Trump, mm-hmm. and we might be able to join together against Nikki Haley. My dog. Uh oh, your dogs are freaking duty. out. He's on duty. There is right now. There is a skateboarder. Oh, so there I'm you go. Get the dog. He did a great job. The skateboarder kept going. We we were not attacked. That's hilarious. So, yeah, yeah. So anyway, sorry about that. I mean, no, that, no, no you, problem. Hey, you know, this is a can, casual show. Sure that this, the skateboarder kept right on going. Okay, so so anyway, um, so you, there's a difference. So the way Pinochet was eventually ousted was everybody opposed to Pinochet came together, but that didn't mean that in, that they see eye to eye or they're really quote in the same party. So. So I can find myself, and I, I have a feeling that the Lincoln Party, they're never going to let Nikki Haley come to power if they mm-hmm. can stop it. And anybody who enabled Trump has the mark on them for, for this. So yes. we can come together for a common cause, but I don't believe we'd ever be in the same party. And as far if, in the sense of we're joined together in, in some other way mm-hmm. than 
um, then we need to, and, and this happens, like in, you know, Le Pen in, in France was kept from power because conservatives voted liberal. Mm-hmm. Right. But that doesn't make them part of the liberal no, party. No, 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 and, no, no. And I don't, and but, we'll but, never, yeah, we'll never see. I mean, we'll never quite see eye to eye. Like, she, you know, she's always going to say something that annoys me. Yeah. Um, whereas Elizabeth Warren has never annoyed me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But I think, but I think the thing is, is, and I'm not sure about this, but that they're they are basically a lot of these ex Republicans. They're now independents. So, mm-hmm. and then they're they've started this, you know, the Lincoln Project, which mm-hmm. the, everybody has their feelings about the Lincoln Project. At this point in the game, I feel like, all right, uh, with the exception of George Conway, who I do not trust at all, uh, because he, you know, I know maybe you're not her biggest fan, but Sherry Jacobus had pointed out that two weeks before Justice Kennedy announced his retirement, George Kavanaugh announced that he was a never-Trumper, and then he was pushing Kavanaugh on everybody, on, on all the other never-Trumpers. Right. Like, this no, good guy. I, I like, I like um, who did you just mention? Sh- now I forgot. Sherry, Sherry Jacobus. Sherry, I, I like her a lot, actually. I've been, she and I have been following each other um, for, um, for a long time. I don't always agree. Right. There's nobody who I don't always agree, and I think sometimes I totally understand when, when people are just – gripped by the kind of panic you talk about but yeah so we're saying the same thing again yeah um, well but yeah exactly she because she has come together and not necessarily um you know um but you don't have to agree on all things to come together well that's true and and, and i feel like with the lincoln project it's like for instance you know he's behind george conway is you know singing the praises of amy barrett and but the Lincoln Project isn't. And, and he did, you know, Conway left supposedly the Lincoln Project because his daughter Claudia was screaming to the world that her parents were being abusive and ruining her life. Right. And, and right. so, you know, supposedly. So he can say what he wants. So yeah. He can and say. So I don't and like you know that guy. They're I don't always going to have they're always going to have policy positions that we're not going to like. Yes, of course. And I'm fine and with that, that. I'm totally fine with, you know, that. Yeah. Like with Roe v. Wade. I mean, yeah, they don't know, care about Roe v. Wade, uh, though. They don't care. They, you know, the, there, there's a lot of Republicans who really don't care about. In fact, I think they really like having the argument because they can use it to mm-hmm. their advantage and and scare their evangelical voters. But frankly, somebody like, right. well, do you really think Rick Wilson gives a crap if anybody has an abortion? He just doesn't care. But um, I, you know, I mean, I, I look at that group and I feel like I just, you know, I'm going to I'm going to use whatever, you know, I'll retweet them if they have a good video. I will respond and engage. Right. And then I'm just going to watch them with my side eye you know, pr- providing Biden wins and I think he's going to win. What are they going to do after that? You know, I mean, I look at, for instance, I had Steve Schmidt on this show and he was so funny because, you know, I always appreciated his his big words and the way he put them together. And after, you know, he, he become, he, he's he's a Republican who doesn't like Trump. And then all of a sudden he goes off to support this crazy coffee guy, Howard Schultz, who um, everybody was like, you know, what are you doing? OK, well, he was getting a paycheck. If nothing else, he was getting a paycheck. Then he comes back and he starts up the Lincoln Project. And so, you know, I asked if he would be on my show. And it was so funny because he sent the way he responded to me. You know, he had followed me on Twitter. So I messaged him and I asked him and and he sends me his email address and his phone number. So I'm like, 
fine. I sent him an email and he never replied. So after a while, I thought, okay, he left me his phone number. I'm going to call. So I call. We have this wonderful conversation and he was super cool, which I got to say this. I've said this before, but it cracks me up. When he answered, I truly wondered if it was him because the uh, enunciation is not as extreme as it is when he's on television. He's got that mid-Atlantic accent and he still had it, but it was so, it was so much more subtle. And I just thought it was funny. Anyway, so he, you know, he and I had this great conversation about, I used to live in Russia and we talked about that. So he agreed to come on my show. And then in the interim, before he came on my show, but he was booked, I called him out publicly on Twitter for going after Elizabeth Warren. And I was saying, look, if she becomes the nominee, you're totally giving the right, you know, video of you calling her a hypocrite. And so I called him out publicly and we had a few back and forths. And I think he did not like that. So when he came on my show, he was slightly different than what you're used to seeing on MSNBC. He was blaming the Democrats for Trump which I thought was interesting because he never does that when he goes on and talks to Nicole Wallace or Rachel Maddow or any of those people. So I think he was a little pissed off at me for calling him out publicly <laughs> and disagreeing with him. <laughs> Either way, um, I, you know, I look at them and I say, all right, you know, he brought us Sarah Palin and I, and I, uh, you know, I, I will disagree with so many of, of, McCain's policies I did but that man was one of the Republicans he wasn't the only one but he was one of the Republicans and the most memorable who helped save my health care and I won't forget it and I and I he was not the new Republican Party he you know no. he defended Barack right. Obama when that woman called him whatever she called mm-hmm. him and and you know he was a good man I do not believe in his policy but I believe he was a patriot and he loved his country and he represented the old school kind of Republicans who who admitted they were wrong when they were wrong it was like that tr- whole Charles Keating thing when he was called out he admitted he was he admitted it and he didn't hide behind it so you know, those people don't exist anymore. And if, if, if the Lincoln Party is anything like them, then, you know, they might be able to fit in, you know, because they, they, are, they are people without, you know, like Joe Walsh is always saying, I'm a man without a party. I'm a man without a party. He still has conservative values. And I know mm-hmm. Joe and I would disagree on almost on everything. everything. But right. I do see that out of like all of them, Joe Walsh and, and he and I like sometimes he gets me pissed off because you know he doesn't necessarily he wasn't calling out white supremacy as much as I wanted him to during the the protests because he was he was like okay well there's rioting and Joe needs to call out the rioters and it's like yes but it's mostly the white supremacy groups that are doing this and so y- you can't just act like it's some f- I mean yes there I'm sure there's some far left fringers but mainly what it is I think it's just opportunists it's not Black Lives Matter that was rioting it's not Black Lives Matter that was being violent it was opportunists opportunity ah, opportunists doing it or these far-right groups and so I felt like Joe wasn't emphasizing that enough but but I appreciated that he and I could disagree a, a little bit even though we were in agreement on the bigger issue and that we could talk and we could debate Mm -hmm. unlike so many of the other Republicans today where you can't do that, where it's just a slam down and it's bullying and name calling. Joe is. Well, it's exactly what Trump did that you can't, it's like, you just can't argue because they don't want to argue. I mean, they, they, it's just a fight. It's not a, there's no exchange of ideas. Yes. And so Joe will go back. And so that, you know, that's where are they going to go? The last thing I want to talk to you about, I was going to talk to you about your article, but I know we're not going to get to it, but I want to ask you about the Barrett situation because 
um, Amy Barrett. So first of all, Trump said last night that he wants to, you know, get that judge installed so she can make that decision. And that's what everybody's afraid of. And, and then you're talking about how it might be difficult or, or not difficult, but there's a specific way to add more justices, which I believe we need to. And I, okay, I, I want to so say there's this. Two, there's two issues. Let me separate them into two okay. issues. The first issue is, is, is Trump stacking the Supreme court to hand him the election? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And the second issue is how do we fix this mm-hmm. after, after Biden comes in? Am I right about that? Two separate questions. Well, yeah. I mean, as far, as far as just Amy in general, and what's going on there. And then, yes, the fact that Trump is basically admitting that's what he wants her there for. And then how do we handle it afterward? Okay. So as far as um, shoving Amy in, this was probably not – okay, they're, they're taking a chance. Because if they win the Senate, this was a smart thing to do. If okay. they lose the Senate, it was a dumb thing to do. <laughs> okay. Okay, so – and right now I'm – sort of hung on the Senate. Um, I tried actually, it was so annoying. Act Blue, I can't believe it. I kept trying to donate last night to Act Blue and it kept shoving me out because it said I, I couldn't, something was wrong with Act Blue, hmm. which I gave up till this morning. Um, and I thought, hopefully like everyone in the world is trying is on this website right now. So, um, right. But exactly. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> it, that's my hope because yeah. I'm sure they'll take my money. I'll figure out. So I just let my dog back down. So if another skateboarder goes by, well, okay. okay. So anyway, um, so it's, it was, a, it was a strategic move and whether it was smart or whether it wasn't smart depends on what happens with the Senate. So let me explain if the, my view of, um, of this race right now is Biden will win. The mm-hmm. question is what happens with the Senate. Yeah. If if Biden wins and he comes in with a, a Democratic Senate and Democratic House, then we will make very rapid changes. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of these things that have gone wrong can be fixed. But think about how much um, FDR was able to do in 100 days with that mm-hmm. new deal. Yeah. So very rapid changes can happen. So if if um, they if the Republicans hold the Senate, then that was a very smart move. Mm -hmm. Because if the Republicans hold the Senate, then we are essentially in a holding pattern. So right, right now we're sliding toward autocracy. Yeah. And there's a big danger um, in where we are right now. It's very dangerous because we are tipping toward an oligarchy. We're very, very close. So, um, so if Trump wins, then we probably slide all the way. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get out. And actually, there's a – I'm off topic here, but I wanted to mention something that you had said earlier, a mistake people make on Twitter. It's not binary, autocracy, not autocracy. There, there's shades of gray in there. There's something mm-hmm. called competitive autocracy. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're in autocracy, you can't get out. Mm-hmm. P- people, people got out from under Pinochet. Okay, it took a while. It's a mm-hmm. bad example. But, um, but at any rate, so the, the – the strategy of pushing this nominee through is kind of dumb mm-hmm. in a way because Trump would be a lot better off saying, if you want a Democrat, if you want a conservative justice, you better reelect me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Once he puts him, puts her through, he loses that argument in a way hmm. because now, they, so it, it would have been smarter for Trump to do that, but mm-hmm. Trump's too big, you know, has <laughs> too much ego. Um, he wants to appoint another judge. So if they, if they keep the Senate, 
then they've got a huge majority on the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And they've got the Senate, mm -hmm. and we have the White House and the House. So we're totally at stalemate. Hmm. No, nothing will change. Um, if they lose the Senate, then it's very easy to, um, mm -hmm. to undo things. Now, I'll say that if the election comes down to 50,000 votes in one state, mm -hmm. it's possible that the Supreme Court steps in. Right. If it comes down to... 10% of a, of a particular state in Pennsylvania mm -hmm. or 8% of yes, that. Right, right. If, if, if five states push Biden, they're not going to decide the election. They are not going to overturn an election. It's just not going to happen, even with, with a conservative. Conservative majority doesn't necessarily mean we want autocracy. Mm -hmm. So I don't yeah. believe a, a close election, we would have a headache. Mm -hmm. But it's not shaping up to be a close election. No. So, um, so, it's, so that's my, my take on the justice thing. I'm, I'm not really worrying too much about it. Because um, that's not that's the wrong thing to worry about. Mm -hmm. We can't stop it. It's a done deal. Mm -hmm. um, so my worry actually is the Senate, but it's the same thing um, because this this justice makes it not necessarily more imperative to get the Senate, mm -hmm. not necessarily, but it demonstrates the mm -hmm. importance of the Senate. Well, that's funny because I'm actually less worried about the Senate because I – for two reasons. Number one, I look back at what happened in 2018 and we, you know, we, we got so many House seats. I don't remember how many are up in this particular election in the Senate. But, I, you know, the last election, there were very few seats up for grabs. Now there's a lot more seats up for grabs. Right. And we're so, slightly favored. It's yeah. a slight favor. I, I think not, we're going to do it. I, and, and so you I think, think we're going to do it. Okay, so yeah. if we can do it, then you don't have to worry about about this justice, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, it's an open secret, and people like – I wasn't talking about this. In fact, I think in one day I said earlier in the morning, I said, yeah, I just don't want to talk about the number of justices. I just don't want to talk about this mm -hmm. because I didn't think it should blow up. And Biden did the smart thing by saying I'm not going to talk about yes, it exactly. because he doesn't I want it to be a campaign issue. Yes. So everybody was talking about it. Um, everybody knows. McConnell knows. So the, the number of just – and people have these ideas for fixing the court, which aren't going to work because it would require amending the Constitution. Mm -hmm. So term limits would be a good idea. 18 years would be a good idea. Cycle them through would be a good idea. But you can't because you have to amend the Constitution, which is quite difficult. Mm -hmm. But there is a solution. Um, the number of justices is not given in the Constitution. That's up to Congress. And the there's an argument which says that we've had nine justices since the since the size of the country was very we, we were a small rural backwater country we've had nine mm -hmm. and now that the that the country's gotten so big mm -hmm. the supreme court's not really able to be effective mm. with such a small mm -hmm. group there's another another thing that happens this is what sometimes people don't quite realize because that number is so small how much power these people have mm -hmm. so think about three branches of government Right. The president has a lot of power over one branch, but he's only there for to, four to eight years mm -hmm. or eight years. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of power, but it's very limited time. Yes. Congress has a lot of one third of the government is divided like what? Five hundred and thirty five ways. Right. Yeah. So that's diluted. Now, one branch of government, yeah. an entire branch of government is nine ways for life. Mm hmm. So each justice has way, way, way too much power, which yeah. is why you have these huge 
scenes over Kavanaugh mm-hmm. or Ginsburg because we need to have more mm-hmm. and a lot more. So some Supreme Courts in other countries have as many as 29, hmm. 18. Mm-hmm. Um, the appellate courts, um, the appellate courts in the United States all have large number of justices. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have like you, you get a panel of three mm-hmm. and it works. So there are very, very good reasons to change the numbers. And people don't use the phrase. I'm not not even going to say it. Don't say P-A-C-K. Don't. (laughs) Call it something else. Yes, expand. Because that harkens back to FDR. And I actually wrote a biography about FDR, so I could tell you all about what went wrong with FDR's proposal. But um, the concept of changing the number of justices got a bad rap when that didn't work for him. Mm -hmm. But this is a different situation. You can't compare. Mm -hmm. So... um, so that's why I'm I'm not I'm keeping my blood pressure down over this justice <laughs> because it's it's a matter of what happens with the court. Mm-hmm. And when Biden says, so are you going to increase the number if you get the Senate, are you going to increase the number of justices on the court? And he says, I'm not going to answer that question. Guess what that means? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because he'd rather have he'd rather get criticized for not answering the question, mm-hmm. because as soon as he answers the question, this is going to become a campaign issue. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And and then the last question I'm going to ask you on this, because it's the one that I freaked out about more than anything, was my health care. And so I know they're going to look at health care and, you know, maybe what might happen is they're not going to strike down the entire Obamacare, but they're going to strike down the part of it that's the most important that has the, uh, you know, the the pre-existing condition, conditions, protections and stuff like that. But either way, um, what what would you assume? And OK, let's just say it's a blue it's a blue flood. Right. We get we get we get the Senate. We keep the House. We have the presidency. Um, but then we've got this six to three court right now. What do you see well, happening before, with healthcare? Before you try to okay, okay. So there's a couple of things. Whether I'm not going to say what this court's going to do with this mm-hmm. legislation, and I'll tell you why. Because um, one of the things that I've done for my career is argue in front of appellate courts, mm-hmm. and you never really know what a court's going to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, and anybody who tells you they know, they, they can surprise you. Mm-hmm. So, um, I can give you a reason why they might not overturn Obamacare. Okay. And it's a political reason. So the justices understand that if the Senate is Democratic and Biden wins, that there are going to be more justices. Mm -hmm. They don't want that because nobody wants their power reduced by a third. Mm -hmm. Nobody. Nobody wants that. So they might – now, if they don't – so there's some politics here, and that's – we know that also from the last court – something scheme. Um, We know that there's always some politics involved. Mm -hmm. And so if they overturn a very, very popular piece of legislation, then they are totally setting themselves up for a increase in the number of justices because it will happen very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, They might choose to show everybody how totally reasonable they are (laughs) so that the idea of reforming the court Mm -hmm. takes a little bit of a back burner. Now, I'm not saying they won't do it because Mm -hmm. it it also depends on why, what their grounds are. Mm -hmm. So if they strike something down on constitutional grounds, it's a much bigger hassle Mm -hmm. than some other ground. So because, um, but all you have to do then is you have to 
increase the number of justices and you have to redo, you have to rewrite the legislation and make an argument that you've now solved the problem and then send it back. Hmm. So, um, so it's possible that they're going to totally overturn it. Um, I would say that if a democratic Senate comes in, they may not hmm. because, um, because this is a popular piece of legislation. Yeah. Yes, it and, is. Um, and also, <laughs> that, and also by definition, what a conservative justice, what they like, okay, they're a bunch of hypocrites, really, mm-hmm. but what they say they stand for is a non-activist court. Yes, I know, exactly. Which, <laughs> right. So because they say they stand for a non-activist mm-hmm. court, then um, then they have a way out if they want a way out. Mm-hmm. And if, the, if Trump wins and if the they get a Republican Senate, of course they're going to overturn it. Mm-hmm. But if depending on depending on what happens, mm-hmm. um, it's possible that they won't. And so with the health care, that's, again, the reason why the Senate's crucial. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I, again, I'm going to go back to I think we're going to win it just based on 2018 alone. And not only, 20, no, right. you know what, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to even go farther back because ever since Trump became president, Democrats have shown up. And, and that's great. Mm-hmm. That's really great. But I think Democrats also need to show up when we're all comfortable and we have a Democratic right. you know, majority. We need to keep that majority. That's one thing that I think, whether it's the party or voters, we seem to not think long, long term. We look at the situation we're in right at the minute. We're oh, fine. We're fine now. No, we are not fine down the line. We have to make sure to show up and be there. But... Um, I think I think that, you know, I mean, and I can even go so far as to say like the Equal Rights Amendment that passed, there were 30 some years where it just sat there. And, you know, there were activists on the ground trying to get it going, but it just never went anywhere. And then the first year that Trump was in office, 2017, it passed in Nevada. And then the following year in 2018, it passed in Illinois. And then finally, Mm -hmm. and then after I think it was. Just before Illinois, or, or that's that's when I mentioned, you know, I brought it up to Alyssa Milano, and thankfully she was just as excited about it as I was, and so she dove in, and she, and her voice helped to, you know, amplify the message, and and then we turned Virginia blue, and boom. But I feel like the Equal Rights Amendment wouldn't have necessarily passed. Another, you know, you, know, you could be right. And, could, and I don't you know totally that. Right. We'll never know. I mean, I, you know, I'd like to believe that it, it would have passed with Hillary Clinton, but I think the argument would have been, hey, a woman is president. We don't need it. It's not important. That's right. And so I, know, I think you're totally right. Yeah. So, you know what? If you're if we get the Senate, then um, anything can be corrected. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, well, we're going to have a couple of tough months with a yeah. lunatic and unhinged lunatic. In oh, the that's going to be. But I, yeah. I think that that's so. That's my response to the court. Is it really? It's it's all about the Senate. Yeah. And that and that that's their that's their gamble that they're taking. Right. They're taking the gamble that um that that they will hold the Senate, and mm-hmm. then therefore having the extra justice is going to make a big difference. Whereas yes. if they lose the Senate, then this this interesting probably not going to matter that, too that much. That makes sense to me. Um. Yeah. Because. Wow. I mean, this conversation has been really interesting and, and, you know, I was glad, like I said, because I watched this debate last night and I didn't freak out and I'm really glad that the next debate, uh, while we've been talking, I know, and and of course I'll never find it now, but it's been coming down the, the wire that there are going to be new rules. There's going to be a, here it is. It's the commission, um, the Commission on Presidential oh, on the debates, yeah, debates <laughs> change the rules, yeah. uh, are changing the rules to add additional tools 
for order and structure. So we'll see what happens there. But it's going to be a town hall, which will be a completely different situation. And I think, you know, I think it's 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 absolutely Biden made the right choice because I've been seeing people say no more debates. And it's like, no, we should have these debates, no, even yeah, if right. even if they're shit shows, because it is showing Trump for who he is. It is showing Biden for who he is. And I think that, you know, Biden, they would just call him a coward. So it's better that he shows up. It's better that he's there. But I think what I think that uh, basically we're going to win this. That's what I feel. And I know there's going to be snags and it's going to be awful and it's going to hurt. And as long as we don't go to war with anybody uh, in this, you know, short, brief period of time, I think we're going to be okay. And, you know, I'm just going to add that it was, I don't know what it was. You know, I mean, my mom is going through a lot right now. She's, she has to have her hip replaced. And then once that's done, she's going to have to have her other hip replaced, but one is way worse than the other. So she's dealing with physical pain. She's dealing with COVID, you know, and isolation and freaking out about Trump and all of it. Right. So the other day, you know, and I, I talk to her every single day, sometimes twice a day, just to keep up and, and, and to let, you know, Hey, I care about you. I'm here. And, you know, I mean, it's a lot. So she sometimes she just feels really defeated. And so the other day she goes, you know, I just got this sense of calm. Not that she expects everything to be easy. Not that she thinks it's just going to be smooth sailing. But she's like, I think it's just going to work out. I, and then it was funny because uh, I, I posted something, I think, the other night after the New York Times came out, which we didn't even talk about, that tax story. But, you know, I said, can, I, it feels like, the energy is changing now. And I truly believe that. Like, I think that that New York times story along with the other, the other things that have been happening, what, how he referred to military personnel as losers and suckers. And then the, the Woodward thing coming out that, you know, he knew about the dangers of COVID, but he kept COVID, but he kept it from us. And now this tax stuff, it's like, People are turning on him. Uh, you know, we're not seeing big papers asking him to resign, which they should, but we're still getting prominent voices uh, pushing back in a way that they never mm -hmm. have. And so I, I feel like, you know, there's been the resistance the whole time, but there's this there's this kind of, I don't know, energy that's shifting. And then somebody came on one of my, you know, and uh, on the comments and said, yeah, the other day I just had this feeling of calm, just like my mother had said. And I, I, I think that it's... I think that we're going to get there, but it, it's going to be a rocky road. And I have to say, people like you help keep all of us sane. You know, I mean, I have my moments where I completely lose it and, and sob like I did the other day on my podcast. But, you know, but people like you and other prominent lawyers like Glenn Kirshner, help us to kind of like keep it going, you know, like my, we might cry. I, I, have to say, I love when people, people do tell me that I keep them sane. Yeah. And I have, you a, do. I have a teenager. Um, <laughs> and so I, I tell him, people who think I keep them sane. And he's like, well, you keep me crazy. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I, my teenager doesn't think I keep him sane. <laughs> well, you know, teenagers, of course, right? they're going to be teenagers, but you do, you know I mean? You have this rational voice and not only do you have a rational voice, voice you back it up with information that makes everybody go okay I understand this a little more clearly it doesn't mean I'm going to not freak out tomorrow but I but I do encourage everybody aside from following you on Twitter to to not give into that panic and not give into the naysayer because and, again and here's the reason I have to say the reason is not because because the reason not to give into the panic is because it makes things worse mm -hmm. it it makes the outcome you're afraid of more likely yes exactly 
this is not to say that we're not in a dangerous time. Exactly. Right. We are. In we're a we're time. helping it along when but, when we when we give into that. And I, right, I, I but agree. we help. We, we feed the beast. We feed mm-hmm. the myth. We make Trump look strong. We stop talking about what we need to talk about. Yeah. You know, you you know, you force people to spend. You know, and it's not just the people panicking, but that's why I said the lie was so was so clever, because it wasn't easy to it wasn't easy to explain why this isn't going to work. And everybody, I kept trying. And when I say things like, you may as well worry about a meteor hitting the earth. <laughs> you know, it doesn't help people because they, they have been so conditioned to think Trump gets away with everything. Right. Exactly. And he, he doesn't actually, the courts are always smacking him down. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't, yeah. he didn't get away with operation Ukraine. I mean, he didn't, right. Zelensky didn't announce a, an investigation into the Bidens, but he gets away with a lot. And mm-hmm. so, it's it's very easy to do. It's just that it also it um, it gives it overestimates Trump and mm-hmm. underestimating him is dangerous. Mm-hmm. So is overestimating him. Yes. yes, there are things to be scared about. But if you undermine the integrity of the election, you're you're also helping. But if if you, if you persuade enough people that Trump can cheat and has it in the bag, yes, then it becomes that's reality. Ca- that's counterproductive. Yeah. It can become reality. Again, it goes back to the expectation. I think that we all have to, you know, take a chill pill and understand that this is going to be rough and rocky. But if we just if, you know, and and, and I didn't get to the question, but I'm just going to say this. Somebody had wanted me to ask about, you know, voting in person and all that stuff. Oh, can I I answer that really quickly? Of course. Go ahead. Okay, let me answer really quickly. Don't game it. Do what's best for you. Do what's easiest for you. Mm -hmm. And so um, this idea that. You know, different ballots are counted differently. There, in so, and it varies by state. So, in some states, it's much better to fill out an absentee ballot because it's paper. You don't have to go through the mm-hmm. machines. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sometimes a state like Georgia or some states, they can make the ballot. They can make the machines tricky. They can mm-hmm. find ways to trick you a little bit. I'm not saying they will, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that. Um, Vote early. Mm-hmm. Don't save it for election day. Yes, exactly. And yeah. the reason for that is because voter suppression happens at the polls. You don't want um, lots and lots of people voting, Democrats voting at the last minute. They can make the long lines, avoid the lines. The important thing is to vote. Mm-hmm. And um, and I and I saw people saying, I'm going to vote in person so that my vote is counted earlier. Well, go check the statute in your state. Mm-hmm. It might not be true. Mm-hmm. I think there are 18 states that that do count the absentee ballot sooner. And so um, and also this whole red mirage thing that mm-hmm. oh when the, because so many more Republicans are you know voting in person, mm-hmm. it's going to look like he's winning, but not necessarily because mm-hmm. lots of states do count their absentee. It depends on how you turn it in. Right. Um, and so Sometimes when I see somebody saying, do it this way, as if every state is conducted the Mm -hmm. same way, that's, you know, each state is different. And um, if you're not sure the best way to vote in your state, contact the the Biden campaign has that 3030 number. Um, They'll tell you the best way to vote in your state. Contact the local Democratic Party. but don't don't take advice on Twitter on the best way to vote. Well, the only advice that I like to give is vote early. If you can drop yes. your if you can drop your ballot off and in person, 
you know, early, right. that to me makes the most sense because I'm right. not going to wait until November 3rd to do it because we right. have no right. idea. Right. You know, I mean, I Absolutely. remember, yeah, there were lines with Obama. Mail, you know, I would say actually at this point, it's probably not a bad idea if you can to avoid the mail. Well, that's what um, I always because, say. Yeah. I mean, right. and it's not that I want to take anything away from the post office, but because we don't know what's going on because Trump and his uh, crazy people are just, uh, we can't trust them. So right. this way, if it's, po- I mean, the, you know, I don't want to say that you can't trust the mail. I just would say that if, you know, order your ballot, if you haven't ordered your ballot, do right, it, it now, fill it out, make sure you follow every rule because every right. state has different rules. Sometimes there's two envelopes. And if you, if you don't put it in that second envelope, well, there's the first one. And then the second one, if you don't put it in the first, I should say it doesn't right. get that's, counted. That's Pennsylvania. That's right. in Pennsylvania. It's also, I right. think in every Arizona state has its own quirky stuff. Yeah. Right. So you have to make sure you follow the rules and do all, make sure you have the correct postage if you're going to mail it. And you know, I've heard some people say 10 days out, if you can do it before that, if you could, if you could, you know, put it in the mail before 10 days, I'd say, you know, three, weeks was would be something that I would feel more comfortable with. And the reason why is because Lawrence O'Donnell was on Twitter saying he sent somebody a birthday card and it should have taken 24 hours and it took over two weeks. And so like last year, they got it the next day. This year, it was over two weeks. So I think 10 days is a little bit too close to it. So but but Mm -hmm. the best thing to do is, you know, like, for instance, yeah, I live in Maryland and I have the option of going to a variety of different places where I could drop it off or I could go to a drop box. So if it's right. even crowded at some of these places in early voting, but there's also the register of voters, there's sometimes there's libraries that have a voting box, you know, right as you walk in the library. So there's all different kinds of ways to do it. So find mm-hmm. out, you know, arm yourself. Right. And if you can do it in person, if you can't, that's fine. But just Wait, mail I know, it I as don't, early I, as you I'm can. I'm going to push back against that. And here's why. Because but. Bo- I, I work elections, mm-hmm. right? I, I work as a, if you vote in person, then you have to make your decision standing there at a machine. No, I'm talking about filling out. I should say, I should say, drop your, your oh, ballot right. off. Okay. Early. Yeah, that's that's right. what I, mean. I, I agree that's with what that. I, mean. I mean, what, what, um, in California, what you can do is you can take your ballot to the polling place mm-hmm. on the day of the election, which is yes. what I always did because that way it was counted with those ballots. I work now on elections. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is I walk over, I take it to the county, I can take it to the clerk. Mm -hmm. So I take it to the clerk and the clerk checks it off and has my ballot. Um, I do that. Um, I suggested that to somebody in another state who said, I just don't trust my clerk. Okay, well there, that's why it's local. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why if your clerk knows you're a Democrat and you don't trust, and you're in a small town Mm -hmm. and you might not want to hand your ballot to someone Mm. who you don't trust. Right, yes. So, but that's not the case where I live Mm -hmm. at all. And so, um, and so, right, just make sure you vote. Um, It's particular to your state. I personally like the absentee ballots because I can sit at my kitchen table and I can um, take a lot of care with it. I can Mm -hmm. do my research. I can check for mistakes. Mm -hmm. I can compare to what my husband did and make sure he did his right. (laughs) Um, But I can. And then I take mine to the clerk. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's true that there tend to be more people. There tend to be some more mistakes Mm -hmm. with the absentee ballots. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know, sometimes signatures can be a problem. Right. So I've again, that, that depends issue. on the yeah. person. People's signatures can change yes. as they get older. Yes. So, you know, that's why I think the, why the message coming from um, people like Biden and Harris is make a plan. Mm-hmm. Like, think about it. Whatever your situation is, wherever you are, 
whatever is best in your area, think about it and then, and then do what works best. Right. Just have a plan. Just be very specific, follow all the directions and, you know, drop your ballot off early or put it in the mailbox as early as you possibly can. And I think that if we do that, we can avoid that possible red mirage. I think that we can. And, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. And it's going to be a shit show from now until there's going to be our own little form of hell every little day, every single day right. that we, Expected. you know, whatever it is is going to be. It's, you know, I mean, we're going to have some wins because New York Times is not finished releasing. Right. And then we don't we don't know what else is. I mean, it's not even it's just October tomorrow. So, you know, I do think that there's going to be more things coming out that are going to hurt Trump. And thankfully, it seems like whatever they try to pin on Biden just doesn't stick. And I think we're at a point where, you know, one, one of the things, I believe it was Joy Reid who said, you know, with Joe Biden, the benefit of him over everybody else is that he has been in politics for so long. He has an established reputation. You cannot rewrite his resume. So you bring somebody newer in as a candidate, you can start painting them with, mm-hmm. you know, these lies. It's not going to stick to him, though, because everybody knows who Joe Biden is. They just know. We know he makes gaffes, but we know he's a good man. So, you know, we, right. no matter how many stupid no, things you right. might say, right. um, you know, yeah, no, we no, know who he is. Yeah. So anyway, I right. better I better I better get this better going. Get going. Yes. But yeah, thank was, you. Went, uh, probably much longer than we expected, but we did not expect to talk the day after. A no kidding. Debate, to, be, to be fair, to be fair, this was a lot. To, well, I've had long, um, I've had other long podcasts, but, uh, but you know, Hey, you're a talker. I'm a talker. We have all these opinions. And, you know, like I said, you, you're an important voice because you do help people kind of navigate through this uh, with your legal mind and it's appreciated. So I, I love having you on. I love talking to you, even if we, and we are mostly in agreement, but it's, it's, it's nice to kind of debate things because I think at least for me, it helps me understand whatever we're talking about a little bit more clearly and, you know, getting your input just gives me a new perspective. So I appreciate that. I always like when you're on. So thank you for being on. Well, thank you. And, okay. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and, then, and, um, tell everybody we'll be prepared th- for the next round of crazy. Yes. Yes, we will. And tell everybody where they can find you. Okay, I'm on Twitter, um, Terry underscore Canefield, and I put most of my threads up on a blog. It has a very clever name, like Terry's blog. I don't know something. Um, Terry Canefield dash blog. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, really hard. Um, I think if you, if you Google me, it comes up. Um, I'll, I'll put it. I'm going to put both your your Twitter handle and your blog in the Patreon um, text description of the show. Okay, great. Thank you. So that'll be that. All right. Well, Terry, you have a good one. Give your dogs a, a big hug and kiss for me. I don't have any animals oh, right now. so He's, he's guarding my house. You think he's not... <laughs> <laughs> he weighs 12 pounds. Oh, how cute. Well, give, give him an extra hug. Anyway, it was great talking to you, and thanks for being on. All right. Thank you. Okay. All right, bye-bye. bye-bye. Okay. I got to say something, and I know that people are going to be like, oh, my God, Kimberly, you're such a geek. But I am, so I own it. So I do this thing with myself that I like to play this game, right? And I, I talk to the universe, which some people could call God. But, you know, I, I, think, in term, uh, I think in terms of energy. Ener- you know, universe is energy. I am energy. The computer is energy. We're all energy. And I think we all work together in some way, right? So I like to, the, uh, I, I like to ask the universe for signs. Universe, if you show me this sign, X is going to happen. And... I, and for the most part, it's, it's pretty much been what I've asked. You know, like if I ask to see a sign if X is going to happen, eventually X happens. 
if I see that sign. So again, it's a game I like to play with myself, or I shouldn't say play with myself, but you know what I mean, (laughs) but it's a game I like to play. So last, I don't know, I, I don't remember when I asked this question, but I was like taking a shower and I was like, universe, if you show me a skateboard, uh, either an actual skateboard or if I hear the word skateboard or if I read the word skateboard, then that means Joe Biden's going to be the president. So I don't remember. It was like three days later I saw on, it was one of those animal videos. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but it was a popular, popular site that has a lot of animal videos. And somebody was on a skateboard. So I thought, okay, okay, universe, you're letting me know. And then it was funny because I'm talking to Terry and she mentioned skateboard like three times. So I, I was I was kind of laughing, thinking, okay, I'm that's like double tripling down on the fact that Joe Biden is going to be the president. The universe is telling me <laughs> and us. So I just wanted to share that with you because I, I it, that doesn't mean that I, I absolutely believe it. It just it's just fun for me to play these little games, especially during this crazy time. And it sure is crazy time, isn't it? Oh, my God. It's so crazy. So, um, yeah, I hope that the conversation with Terry what you know, help to put some people at ease. I know that I hope that if you watched that crazy spectacle last night, that you felt the way that I did, because I really actually didn't feel panicked at all. I I, I just kind of felt I mean, I felt like I shook my head. I felt like Jesus, you know, this is insane. That's what I just kept repeating over and over again. But it didn't scare me. And I, you know, I, I, unfortunately, we are in a position where we can't have two candidates talking about policy. And as, it's, as Terry said, he doesn't understand. Trump doesn't understand policy. But I would like to just be very clear because I, I have seen some people on Twitter and I'm going to see if I can find my tweet. But I have seen some people on Twitter saying Joe Biden could have been stronger. OK, he could have been stronger. I think that, you know, depending on. Who was up there? Maybe, maybe Elizabeth Warren could have done a better job. Maybe another candidate would have done a better job, but maybe not. Because I think what I think for me, what I saw was first of all, let me just go. Dave Wasserman, who is a contributor for let's see, it's NBC News. He said, sorry, but last night was was not Biden at his sharpest. He's almost 78 and looked and sounded like it. Fortunately for him, Trump, 74, behaved and sounded like he was three. So I, of course, had to be a sarcastic woman and quote tweet him and say, sorry, but Trump didn't act like a three-year-old. He acted like a panicked bully who knew who knows he's losing. He acted like a madman to further diminish the nation's reputation, which helps Putin. Have you ever tried debating an unpredictable monkey throwing shit, Dave? It's impossible. So I think that, yeah, of course, Biden could have been stronger in some areas, but he was, you know, I mean, just like with Hillary Clinton, when Trump was standing behind her and basically stalking her she had that split second to decide what she was going to do and she has already expressed regret that she didn't say anything but I I will always defend her choice in that moment because everything she did was criticized so if she would have criticized him I guarantee a nation of women would have screamed yes but then all the freaking news outlets and the men would have would have come down on her for this, including liberal men that would have said, oh, because when when Elizabeth Warren was calling out Bloomberg, she got a lot of shit. Ken Olin gave her shit. 
And that really made me mad. And I, I, I actually said something to him that I'm sure he never read. But Ken Olin, the actor, came down on Elizabeth Warren for basically, you know, and I was grateful that she, she booted Bloomberg out of the race. We don't need any fucking old white billionaires to be our president. We should never do that. But she was talking about when, when he supposedly, you know, the woman, there was a woman who worked for him, accused Bloomberg of, I guess he wanted, he wanted her to have an abortion. And so, you know, Liz called him on that. So, and of course the men had to come down on her. Oh, you're just being, you're too much. No, she wasn't. So Hillary would have gotten the same deal if she would have turned around and told Trump to back off. Oh, my God. And then when she didn't, she was viewed as weak and she should have she should have would have could have. So after that scenario, let's say Elizabeth Warren was the candidate now. If Trump were to do something like that to Elizabeth Warren, well, she understands what the public would want her to do to say something to him. And she would have. And I guarantee she still would have caught shit for saying it. But I think she would have gotten away with it a little bit more than Hillary might have back then because Hillary was the first person to have to deal with something like that. But back to Biden, I think that the fact that, you know, he's okay, yes, he's an older candidate and maybe he's not as sharp as he was when he was younger, but it doesn't mean that he's not capable or sharp. It's just that sometimes, you know, when you're on stage with the monkey flinging shit, you're going to, you're going to get a little flustered and I'm not going to come down on him for that. And basically to me, what it looked like was Biden is a good man who was railroaded by a fucking lunatic. And yeah, that caused him to be like, because like the, I mean, I can't even imagine how I would have handled that. And, you know, everybody likes to backseat drive the election and backseat drive everything. But you put yourself in that circumstance where the whole world is watching, the whole world, the whole world is judging you. And while you may not be new to debates, nobody has ever dealt with anybody like Donald Trump before in the way that he was behaving last night, not even Hillary Clinton. So this was new territory. And I think for the most part, as Terry said, once he had a chance to talk and not be interrupted, he never sounded flustered. He knew exactly he was ready and he was prepared just as he was in every other fucking debate. He was ready and prepared. And I I want everybody to remember that before you start going out and criticizing him, put yourself in his shoes he was in a unique position and, you know, I mean, you look at the way Chris Wallace handled everything and I think that he could have done a better job because the one thing that I didn't get to mention with Terry is that I think I didn't mention it, but when he went, you know, there was this particular time when Biden had two minutes and then Trump interrupted and then he asked for the, you know, can I have the 30 seconds back? Wallace said yes. And then as he was talking, Biden in his made up 30 minutes or 30 seconds, wait, 30 seconds, I'm sorry. Um, Trump interrupted again, and it was about Hunter, and Trump just went off, and where was Wallace? He was totally silent, which completely pissed me off, because he was jumping in and trying to stop Trump all the other times, except when it was about Hunter Biden and Ukraine. That fucking drove me nuts. So I thought he was a terrible moderator, but how do you handle it? Like, who would have been better at that point? Did, did, did they have the ability to shut off Trump's microphone? I doubt it. They were not prepared to do that. 
So now they can be prepared. We'll see what this. We'll we'll see what the new rules are going to be and what the new tools are uh, the, at their disposal for the next debate, which might be, and I think it should be, uh, Zoom or something like that. I don't think it should be live. I don't think Joe Biden should be around people with no masks, even if they're getting tested. But that's just my personal thing. But anyway, uh, I think we're going to see something. I mean, it'll be curious. I'm so curious. How is it going to go? I mean, is this the way he's going to be in the next two debates? Is he just going to be like Mr. Stumpyfoot monster running around breaking everything and, and throwing chaos? Or is he going to take on a new approach? Stay tuned. And then also stay tuned for the New York Times because they said they're not done reporting. Terry and I didn't even talk about his taxes. So we shall see what comes down. Also, keep in mind that Michael Cohen said... I think it was on Sunday night when the, when the news broke that he was going to do a whole podcast. He's got a podcast called Mia Culpa. So he's going to do a whole podcast on Trump's taxes and what he's lying about, including his children. So stay tuned and look for that this week. I am dying to hear this podcast. Anyway, that's going to be it for me today. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. You can go to Amazon and read my books, Peyton's Choice, which is the one that sells the most. That's the only, well, there's Peyton's Choice and the Virgin Diaries. So Peyton's Choice is about teen abortion written from pro-choice feminist perspective. Hello. And then there was the Virgin Diaries that I, I did that with my mom, which in fact, April, uh, this past April, was it's been out for 10 years. I can't even believe it. But we just collected stories from 72 men and women gained straight about what it feels like emotionally as well as physically to have sex for the first time. But I will say that Peyton's Choice is uh, the number one selling book of mine. So there's that. And then I always like to add that my mother has a book out, which is called The Melt. It's a dystopian thriller about a global pandemic caused by climate change. She started writing it in December of 2016. Just freaking crazy. Anyway, so if you get our books, that would be awesome. Please leave a review. Don't forget to leave a review for everything that authors and podcasts do if you like them. Leave reviews. That's going to be it. Thanks for listening. I will see all of you next week, and we're going to have a patrons-only show next week, so, so stay tuned for that as well. Take care, everybody. Be safe.